We have been in a series for several, several months now, actually, called This I Believe. And in this series, we've examined all kinds of different uh, ideas and moments and things that go on in, in, in church life. We've talked about the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit? What does that look like? We've talked about the Bible. What does the Bible look like? What does that do for us? We've talked about how to form good theology. Uh, how does, what does that look like? What, are the, what is the process for this? We've talked about baptism. What does baptism look like at this church? Why is communion different in this church? What does that look like? So we've gone through all kinds of different heavy, heavy, heavy topics. Um, and so if any of those interest you or you go, oh, man, they're in a series. I, I didn't hear the rest of them. I'm lost already. It's okay. Every single one of them has been standalone. This one's standalone as well. But if any of those topics interest you, you can go back on our app or on our website and listen to those messages because they, they really kind of help understand why this church is different or why this church does the way it does things, okay? Because um, <clears throat> if you sit here for and, and participate in our church, and you kind of go, well, that feels different, or that looks different, or, huh, I don't understand. They haven't asked me to do this. Why haven't they asked me to do that? Those messages will probably uh, explain why those things haven't been asked of you or uh, have been asked of you. It's just the way we are. So we're going to continue this. I thought this was going to be the last week of this, I believe, and then I came up with four more topics about two o'clock in the morning, driving back from Georgia last week. So guess what? We're just going to keep on rolling with this, I believe. Um, we'll, we'll see if those were good ideas since they happened at two o'clock in the morning. But uh, it is uh, also thank you for uh, thank you, Yvonne, for stepping up so huge last week. Everybody ditched her. Jimmy ditched her. Kevin ditched her. I ditched her. Uh, and she did a fantastic job uh, pulling last week off. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank um, you. And I. I I heard that you guys appreciated having a blast from the past and Pastor Eric preaching last week. Um, and I know he thoroughly enjoyed being with you all as well. So um, I was keeping it a secret because I wanted just to kind of go, surprise, here's a little, here's a little Father's Day gift. Um, but he had to go and blow it and put it on Facebook. But whatever. Um, that's his prerogative. He's the boss. Uh, so there's that. Um, so this, I believe, is really kind of stepping into why do we believe, why do we think, why do we do the things that we do as a church? And for me, this is incredibly important to kind of just recenter. And I think summer is a great time to do that. You know, we take all these things for granted. Why do we do this? Well, if you've ever wondered why church does church the way it does, this is the perfect series for you to walk in on. Today, we're going to handle a big topic called church. What is church? Why is it important? Why do we do this thing on Sunday morning? Why, why should I? Why should it be a priority? Should it be a priority? All these different questions about church. Church is one of those things that seems like it's been around forever, and church is the same. I went to church. I go to church. Can you, I've asked them to go to church, take me to church, all these different things. I know those of you who know the pop song now just smiled at me. So uh, there is a, I think Charlotte knows it. Uh, so all these ideas about church. And so I really want to examine what church is and what it should be. And even examine what we maybe we've made church to be. Because I've served in churches of about 1,500 people to churches of 100. So what is the same? Because those are two dynamically different kind of organizations, right? When you have a, a group of people where it's 1,500 people who gather on a Sunday morning, and then there's 100 people gather on Sunday morning, those are do, two different organizations. But what do they have in common 
what shares that? How can those both, both of those ideas be called a church at the same time? How does that work? What does that look like? And is there, what are the similarities? And how do we know that we're at the heart of what God wanted for when he chose this thing called church to be the, the mover and the shaker and the changer of the world? So our culture has built church, especially Western Christianity. Church is something you go to. Church is a building. Church is a place. Church is the songs we sing or the stained glass on the walls or church is this tradition, church is this thing, church is that. I had, how do you know, like on Sunday afternoon you say, well, we had church today. Okay, well, what does that mean for you? Because it's a different kind of mindset. Is church a place that we go to or is it something that we do? And those are competing mindsets or even competing mindsets in the scripture. So we're going to examine that today. Where we get the metaphors we use about church comes from one section really in scripture, Ephesians 5, verse 26. In Ephesians, it's a letter written to the church of Ephesus from Paul. And he's, he's writing, he's, he's kind of doing two things with one, one a couple of verses here. He's talking about what the church is supposed to be like, and he's also talking about how marriages are supposed to be. So usually I use this verse in talking about how our marriages are supposed to be, but today we're going to use it in the other function of it, how is church supposed to be? Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her in order to make her holy by cleansing her and washing her with water by the word. So as to present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or anything of that kind. Yes, so that she may be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as they do their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hates his own body, but he nourishes and tenderly cares for it, just as Christ does for the church, because we are members of his body. The two things we're learning there is Christ is using, or Paul is, is talking about the body of Christ, it's the body of Christ as the church. This is also talking about the bride of Christ as the church. And so this idea of, of having function, having form, doing something, being here for purpose comes up. So Paul is really writing this down and saying, what are we? We're not a, a static individual. We're not something that is just supposed to be there. It's not a building he's writing about. But instead he uses like a human form with, with life and with breath in it to say this is the body of Christ. This is the bride of Christ. And that's incredibly important as we start to think about what church is, what church can be, and what church should be. So today, as I look at the idea of church, what is it and how do we reclaim it? And what does that mean for us on a day-to-day basis? What does that mean for us on a week-in, week-out basis? What does that mean for a short church of God? You have to ask some hard questions. Like, what is church? What is church? There's two competing words that we use to describe the church. The first is the word that's actually in the Greek, ekklesia. Ekklesia is in the Greek as the Greek word used for the gathering of people. And really means gathering for a purpose, is ekklesia. I I actually spelled it out for you today. You guys are happy with me today. But ekklesia is the Greek word, and it means a gathering. And the second word is kirkir. That's a German word that comes around much later. Kirkir is actually a translation of the word basilica, which is a place of gathering. 
So there's a, there's a small change in this, in these two words, but they mean vastly different things. Ecclesia is gathering with a purpose. I'm going to a place to have purpose there. And the second one is going to a place, the place in which we meet. We just we gather there. Kirkir, or a better place, is an ecclesia. You can't put a lock on the door. A kirkir, you can put the lock on the door and shut the place down. Okay? So that's the difference between the twos. And kirkir is, is where actually we get church from. Um, it's the German word, so English is definitely going to, to steal from that instead of Greek. And so we, we take that, but what is the church? Is it a place in which, uh, is it a specific place? Or is it a place in which we can lock, or we, we gather with purpose for? As Andy Stanley writes in the book Deep and Wide, the German translation for this was kirkir, which is a location. And ecclesia is a purposeful gathering of people. You can lock the doors of a kirkir, not so much with the ecclesia of Jesus. And this simple delineation between the two has huge ramifications with how we do church, why we do church, who we do church for, what songs we sing, what ministry we offer, how we love people, how we organize, how we spend our money. It's this huge ramifications. Who is the church for? And the verse, I, I struggled with what scripture to use today. I wanted to use the um, Good Samaritan scripture because I thought that would be perfect for this. And then I wrestled with a different scripture. And then I wrestled with a different scripture. And finally settled on this because um, I actually kind of wanted, this is going to sound wrong anyway, I say it. I kind of wanted Jesus out of the picture when I used this scripture. I wanted it to be the apostles. I wanted it to be somebody who wasn't the son of God being the main actor in the story, okay? It's always easy, like we read something in, in the Bible like, oh, well, Jesus did it. You know, he used his Superman card and just did it, right? But this is not Superman. This is just Peter the stinky fisherman and John the stinky fisherman acting out after the Holy Spirit has come, Okay. So here's an Acts 3. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, context. Acts is a history book of the early church, okay? This is basically the Holy Spirit has come. Jesus has gone up to heaven. And this is the first time they're kind of venturing out, going, all right, if I step out of the, this locked door, are we going to get killed? Okay, this is, this is kind of the, the mentality, like, are we going to get arrested? What's that look like? He goes, Peter, the biggest, the oldest of all of them, goes to the youngest, John. Come on, John. I don't want to. You're coming with me. John, you're coming. Oh, 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 oh. You know, what, what is that conversation like? Or John being the, the dumb youngest one. Okay, I'll come. You know, who knows what that looks like? But he's like, oh, okay, we're going to the temple. So that's the context of what's happening. <clears throat> now the man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. And Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. 
They were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. Okay, so what happens? There's a guy. I love this this story because I love what it means for the church. Like, who is the church for? It's for the guy who can't get up on his own. It's the guy who's begging. Because if we're honest with ourselves, at some point in our life, at any time when we walk in through these doors or maybe didn't even have the courage to walk through these doors, we were broken inside. And it felt like we couldn't walk, whether that's because of our marriage or because of our kids or because of our job or because of what other stuff going on with us. We felt broken. And it's our job as the church to be like, you know what? I don't have any money. What do I got for you? Get up and walk. And I love this scripture. And this popped into my head this morning. The God, I think, just went whoop. And this happens sometimes. I read a scripture I've read a thousand times before. And it's like the Holy Spirit says, ooh, look at this angle. So that happened this morning. And hopefully this will uh, work for you as well. But here in Acts, Jesus, whenever he heals a lame, he does this all the time. He heals a lame person. But what does he do for them? He doesn't reach down and pick them up. You notice that? He doesn't usually touch them. He just says, get up and walk. And it's a faith issue. The person has to trust that God actually healed them and they got to get up and walk. Peter doesn't do that. I don't know if Peter's scared. If he's like, well, we're going to pick this guy up and say he's healed. And then I'm going to bear hug him until he stands up. Like, I don't know what that looks like. He's just like, get up and walk. And is your ankle strong? Okay. You know, I, don't, I don't know what that looks like, but I love the idea that he reaches down and pulls him up. Jesus just says, get up. But Peter reaches down, gets in with him, pulls him up. And you just, could you imagine the idea? Because it says when he pulls him up, immediately his ankles are made strong. Like to, to know what would be going on in that guy? Like to know, don't set me down. Don't set me down. Don't set, this is going to be so embarrassing. He sets him down. <laughs> There's a little like, uh, you know, Jewish jig or something going on there. And it's very, very exciting because that's what's going on. And I just, what a beautiful picture of what the church can be like and should be like and how we should operate. That we get into people's messes and we say, you know what? I don't have any money. And I make that phone call a lot, right? People call me and say, hey, can you give me money? I don't have any money, but I can drive you here. I can bring you food. Like that's what happens here when people call looking for assistance at the church? I don't have a ton of money. Wish I did, but I don't. But what I have for you is this, okay? But Peter gets down. He pulls him up. And because of this, and look at the order of this, and this is where I think sometimes we get in trouble, is if you read on in Acts uh, 3, Peter and John then go, the guy is just going crazy on Temple Mount. He is going like... as you would if you just uh, like, woo, I'm walking. Oh, yeah. You know, he's doing the moonwalk or whatever, you know, uh, ancient Roman version of that is. He is ecstatic. He's jumping, leaping up in the air. That's what the, the scripture says. And he's going uh, like that. And so obviously there's some attention being given to this man. Like, isn't that the guy? Nah, that's the guy. It's not the guy. It's the guy. You know, like everybody's talking about it that way. Like, oh, my goodness. And so you have this audience built up. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees who just killed Jesus like, oh, we're doing this again? Like they got to be like, oh, come on. But this, it's the same thing going on. And, and so this audience comes like, all right, we got to listen to this. We got to listen to this. And, what, and Peter starts giving this message. And thousands of people are saved. But look at the order. He helps, 
He heals, and then he preaches. And in American Christianity, in our own church, what's my, even my comfort zone is preach first, then help later. Once you've like, you know, you came a couple weeks, <laughs> then we might help you. We know you're for real. Like I say that condescendingly, but that's what happens. I play Kirkir really well. I've grown up Kirkir. Like I grew up in church. I grew, you know, I think I was even younger than little Charlotte coming into church. Two weeks old, started coming to church. Always been in church. It's real easy when you do that in life. It's just to play church. Like I go to church. That's what I do as a person. And we lose what it means to be the ecclesia, to gather with a purpose. And gathering with a purpose is, is, is a group of believers who are like, look, 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 where are the points of need? Whose hands can I pull up today? Who needs the healing, either spiritual, emotional, physical healing? Who needs this healing that we can provide? And then after we've earned the right, let's speak in to people's hearts and souls. It doesn't devalue the spoken word. It gives it action. People react to it differently when they know they love you already. And as I think about our church, and as I was thinking about our church and who we are on my long car rides, I just, these thoughts were rattling around my head. How do we do that better? Because if Shorewood Church of God tomorrow, if tonight, after the youth leave, right, a tornado comes in and takes this building, does the church cease to exist? No, because the church isn't a building. It's a group of people. If it's an ecclesia, it survives all of that. If it's a kirkir, it's over, right? And that's a huge difference of thought. Would it be hard? Yes. Will we not have church next week? Probably not. Probably need a week to figure some things out. What would happen? I already have plans for this. You guys are like, wow, Jared, you plan for all kinds of things. What would happen is Kevin would come over to my house with his camera. I would shoot a video, and we would email you or have it on the website where you could watch um, and have small group questions for your family. That's what would happen if we ever got snow. From now on, if we get snowed in or we can't have church or uh, because the building goes, Bruh. that's what would go on. If someone would nick gas line outside the church, I don't know, and it blew up. <laughs> Not that that's ever happened around here. Um, <laughs> we were safe. It's okay. Miracles happen. Um, but we, we have plans for that because the building is not the church. The body of believers is. And if we meet with purpose, it can survive all kinds of things. The, the meeting with purpose doesn't matter if the church is 10 people or 10,000. Do you see the difference in that? When we get caught in the logistics of, well, what does it look like if we do this? Or what does it look like if this many people show up? Or if this is going on? Or, wow, those kids are rowdy. Or all these different kinds of things. I don't like the songs we sing. And I don't like this. And I don't like that. That's because we're coming to a place. But when we're part of a, a church meeting with a purpose, it's about the lives that we can reach down and say, get up and walk. Because we all know people. We're all around people. We all have neighbors, we all have family members who are struggling, who need the idea where we get to be equipped. We are equipped just the same as Peter and John are to say, hey, I don't have any money. I can't, I'm not going to deal with your superficial needs. I'm going to deal with the messy needs, but you got to trust me. Get up and walk. That's way harder to do, right? It's way easier to throw some money at that problem. 
It's just here, have a 20. Instead of loving people deeply and caring about them. We have to be the church before we have church. We have to be the church before we have church. See, the uh, Jewish people, what Peter actually preaches in Acts chapter 3 is the same kind of message. He looks at the Jewish people and say, listen, you guys used to be in Ecclesia. When you were wandering around the desert, you were a gathering with purpose. You were together and you were worshiping God and you were depending on God every day of your life out in the desert for the manna, for the water, for everything. You were dependent on God. You were an Ecclesia then. And then something happened. You moved from worshiping God to worshiping the temple. You move from, from worshiping the God of heaven, the God who provided, the God who was with you every step of the day, the, the God who redeemed you from slavery. You went from worshiping that God to worshiping a building in the temple. And this causes a problem. And if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes we move in our own life from worshiping God to worshiping the church. That we don't worship God, we worship the service that happens at the church. That's something I have to hold myself accountable because I got my own preferences. I have things that I like. But then I have to ask myself really hard questions. Am I worshiping the service or am I worshiping God? This happens in early Christianity as well. What happens at 400 AD is a guy named Constantine. Uh, becomes emperor of the Roman Empire. And what he does overnight is say, you know what? And he's got this dramatic conversion uh, story and um, that we don't know if it's actually real or, or, or not. That he had this dream to paint crosses on his, uh, on his shields and that was going to give him victory. And so he does it and he wins. He also had vast superior numbers and so he should have won in the first place. But we, ha- we don't know if it was a real spiritual conversion or a political one, okay? I'm a cynic. It is what I am, okay? So, um, but what happens is overnight, Constantine takes the church, what church looked like in 390 AD, the day before Constantine takes power, is people are getting together in groups, small groups, in basements of places, kind of hiding out with whatever book of the Bible they have. They might have like part of John and uh, uh, Colossians. And so they're Bible studies over the fragments of scripture uh, that they have. And so they're studying that, getting together, having communion, praying, and then going about their day. And they might do that daily, and they might do that weekly, they might do that, we don't wherever each city, each, each small group, each life group was different. So overnight, Constantine says, you know what? Christianity is now the state religion of the most important empire in the world. Everything changes. He says, hey, separation church and state? Nah. Have our buildings. Come on in. The pretty one. Take that one. And so he gives them the basilicas, the places that were actually it wouldn't, like being having a church service in a judge's courtroom is what actually started happening because that was the biggest gathering places that you could be. And then that's not enough. So he says, you know what? I'll start giving you money to build your own buildings. And so all of a sudden, instead of being this movement of purpose, of we're, we're gathering together with this, this idea of we might be killed tomorrow and dipped in tar and lit on fire to now we've got the support of the most powerful army in the world. Okay. And they have buildings. In 10 years, 
the church goes from being an ecclesia to a kirkir. And it totally changes. That's when we get all the traditions. That's when we get all the staticness. That's when we get everything changes. And are there good things that happen in it? Of course there's good things. But the soul of the church changes from being one that is a gathering of movement to being a place that we go to. And if we're honest with ourselves, there's probably a time in our lives where church was a place of movement for each one of us. It was a place where I'm going to yearn for God. And then all of a sudden it became a place in which I just go. And for me, as a pastor of the church, I have to look at how we organize things, how we do things, the the mentality behind everything and say, I don't want to be a place in which we just go, but a place that goes. And that is a hard thing to do. And that means a lot of work. And that means uh, shifts in mindsets. But we have to be part of an ecclesia and not a church because we have a community around us that is not needing another church building. It doesn't need another church building. What it needs is a movement of God. We have to be the church before we have church. And I like church. I like doing it. I, I think sometimes we get stuck in the idea of what church is, and we get stuck in a time period of what church was. Um, for example, um, I, I went to Georgia uh, last week. I used to live there four years ago before I, we moved here, and uh, I put my house on the market. I had to totally like, kind of remodel the whole house last week, and that's what I was doing down there. <clears throat> and so working really hard at that, but I, as I was finishing up on Monday night, I was, the last touch-up paints on things and um, I hear that um, my kids are out on the porch swing, and I, I hear them going back and forth. And it's where I brought them home from the hospital, and we rocked them on that porch swing. It's a very kind of emotional time period. The house looks immaculate after it looked like a disaster. And uh, I start to get emotional about it. I, I, a tear comes to my eye because I'm thinking, man, I love this place. And I like the house. It's, it's a drain on me financially. It's a terrible thing to have weighing on my bank account every uh, month. It's useless to me. It's 700 miles away. I can't sleep there at night, right? It's not, it's not an asset in any way, shape, or form, but here I am getting rid of it and getting all misty-eyed because I'm getting rid of this anchor on my, on my life. Because of what it represents, it represents a beautiful time when we brought the twins home. It, it represents a beautiful time in church life where we had the coolest life group of all time. Right, the, like we can have, you can have good life groups, but we had fifteen families. And we came together, ate food, and and we, none of us had kids, so we could do this. This was great. We had 50, 15 people. We'd bring food together, and we would talk until ten, eleven o'clock at night every Monday night. It was absolutely fabulous, and it was just the most. Those relationships are so beautiful, but that was in a time, and that was in a moment, and that was twelve years ago but my heart wants to go back there. If I moved back to Georgia today, it would not be the same as it was then. It wouldn't be the same experience. And for so many of us, we look at church and we're like, well, this is what church was like when I got saved. This is what church was like when I did this. This is what church was like when my babies were there. This is what church was like here. And we keep on wanting to go back to that moment, but that moment is past. 
But once we've had that moment, it's time for us to facilitate moments where new families, new people, new people that are hurting off the street, that they get to have those moments and build their life and get, find healing and find restitution and get to move on from that. And the cycle continues. That's the beauty part. That's our job. And that's hard because I like nostalgia. Right? And I love that porch swing. And I love hearing that door go. I took it off so no one else could hear that sound. Um, selfish, maybe. Uh, but so often, so often I do this thing. Jimmy and I did this. Uh, it was probably eight years ago now. There's a song I love. David Crowder's song, Oh, Praise Him. Came out about 2000. I love that song. It's one of my favorite songs. It, that song, when I was in the midst of depression, started helping put me back together. God, I sang that song with tears forming out of my eyes, feeling like God had abandoned me. I love that song. First week, maybe second week, that I'm, I'm now a youth pastor with Jimmy V and my worship leader. I'm like, we got to sing David Crowder. Oh, praise him. The kids are going to be amazed. They're like, whoa, this is great. All the kids are like, what is this song? This is terrible. I'm just crushed. Like, like oh, they're going to reject me as the youth pastor. They don't even love Jesus because they don't love David Crowder. All this stuff is going on. Like, this song's four years old. It's really ancient. Uh, but it's just gone. And in that moment, in that realizing, I went, oh, I can't make them live my faith. i got to help them develop their own faith and their own experience and their own time. So looking back fondly at memories of our church or our life or whatever is fine, but we can't get stuck there. We have to go, what's the next adventure? Because when we get stuck, it becomes a kirkir. When we move for the next adventure, it's an ecclesia. Do you see the difference? Okay. Head rattle for me. Everybody okay? All right. We've got to ask some hard questions. Are we moving or are we going to a meeting? Are we moving or are we going to a meeting? This next question is even harder. Are we making a difference in the community or are we just conducting a service? I don't like the answer to that question. I don't. Are we making a difference in the community or conducting a service? How do we refigure what we're doing as a, a church to make sure we're in Ecclesia to make a difference in this community? Are we in Ecclesia or have we settled for a Kirkir? These are the questions I, re- I wrestle with. These are the questions that we wrestle with as a board. These are the questions we need to wrestle with as a church. Because I want to be a place that meets with purpose, that has lasting impact, that changes the community around us. I long for the day in which I meet someone at Mariano's. And I say, hey, I'm the pastor at Shore Church of God. And they're like, I know where that's at. It's got the fire station in front of it, right? I'm like, yes. Instead of me going, I have no idea where that's at. Well, you know where the new fire station is? Yep. Hey, we're right behind that. Oh, by the school? I've never seen that church. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> we're going to paint it neon green. Okay, so it's like, wow. Uh, it, it is what it is. Um, we're not going to paint it. Some of you really are very worried that I'm going to paint the church neon green. We will not paint it neon green. Okay, I'll make that promise to you. Not neon green. I can't make any others, but that's the one. Um, I have a video for you this morning. I want you to watch. I saw this on someone's Facebook uh, feed a couple weeks ago, and I saved it. And I actually, I watched it, and I just had tears streaming through my, out of my eyes because 
This video shows us what the church should be like. And we're going to break apart this video, but it's going to be playing for the rest of the service. I just, I want to watch this video because this is what church should be like. When I dream of church, that's church. We all come, we're all different people in that story that's just been told. The guy's paralyzed from the waist down. <clears throat> and his dad is pushing him through one of the hardest obstacle courses in the world, the Tough Mudder stuff. And it gets to the wall. And you can't do it. Just can't. Can you imagine, like, he's already done, I don't know how many miles of running through mud and junk and blah. And just can't do this. And folks, this is us. This is our community. This is our kids. This is our parents. We're messy. We're muddy. We're yucky. And that we get a chance as a church to come alongside and help people through the hard stuff of life. This is what we get to do. This is Peter saying, you know what? I got you. I'm pulling you up. I love the fact that, that the first people to do this, like they, they have no chance of getting him up there. Like those ladies, I love their compassion. They got good spirit. It ain't happening, right? And, and some of us, we play that role here in the church. Like, I don't know how to help you, but I'm going to try. Go, go, go team, right? And, that, and that, there's a, that's a spiritual gift that God has gifted you to come alongside. But because of those ladies' compassion, as the story unfolds, it draws attention to the people who can actually do the helping. The guys on top of the wall are doing all the work, right? They're the ones that they're doing all the work, but those ladies are just as responsible. They're, they're a part of it. This is what the body of Christ looks like. There's all kinds of things that happen in this church that some people will never see that are instrumental to the faith development of people all over this community. There's things that Patty Mock does at this church on a Thursday night that you guys will never know about, never see, but is directly responsible for the salvation of little ones in the back. And that story is repeated over and over and over again because this is what the church at its best looks like. We've all been the guy that falls and fails. Some of us right now are the dad who are just trying to get your son or your daughter through the messes of life. Some of you, and you're just going, I need help. Some of you are there. And it's up to us because there's lots of people. See all these jokers running in the back failing. I'm glad they failed. They didn't pay attention to the beauty that's happening right here. They're running up the, up the things. They're doing their own thing. You know, someone's there like, why are these people taking so long? They're ruining my tough mutter time. Cause that's the most important thing in the world. They're getting really cranky because there's a glob of people. Sometimes that's me. Sometimes that's you. I don't want to be that guy anymore. This, oh, these people are in my way. They're so consumed with themselves that they miss the beautiful story that's happening around them. We've all been the different people in here. We've been the bystanders. And some of us in those beautiful stories, we get to be the guy at the top of the wall pulling up the rope and pulling him up to victory. And that's what the church gets to do. Sometimes, it might be the next week, the guy that was on top of the wall helping him pull up is the one that's struggling to get up the wall. And it's time for the church to be the church. And someone else comes around and helps you up again. That's the church in its beauty, in its messy, and its mud, in the not smelling good, and the everything just blah. 
That's church, and that's what the body of Christ is supposed to look like. That's an ecclesia. And that's the goal. When I, when I see, I, Pastor Eric asked me about five weeks ago, Jared, when you, when you go back to Georgia to see your friends five years from now, what do you want to tell them that Shore Church of God's like? That's what I want to tell them it's like. Somebody asked, our vision is to reach, grow, and serve the community for Christ. What does that actually look like? That's what it looks like. When I say Shore Church of God's vision is to reach, grow, and serve the community for Christ, it's not that it's Jared's vision to reach, grow, and serve the community for Christ, but it's the family, it's the body of believers, it's each one of us that our jobs, not just on Sunday morning, but all throughout the week, is to get muddy, get messy, and help somebody by reaching and growing or serving the community, get up through the challenges of life. Every single person has a role to play. Every single person, whether you're strong right now or if you're weak right now. Some of us are are in the position, I need the helping hand up. Some of us are in the position right now, I can pull you up. And it changes. Cycles of life change. All of it, you know, if you have a teenager, you're the one that needs help being pulled up. If you, if, you know, you've, if you've got an empty nest, you're like, oh, I can pull people up now. Uh, but you've got all kinds of different times in our lives. And so I want to leave you with this picture, with this video in your head. Maybe you need to ask yourself the question, where am I in that? Am I just the messy person that needs help right now? And that's okay to admit. Sometimes it feels like we fall off, and sometimes the church, church has been notorious, like after the first time somebody fell off, like, oh, never mind, you had your chance. I love that he falls and they don't give up on him. Like, no, we're getting you up here, buddy. We are getting you up here. That's the story of us. That's what we have to reorder our, reorient our hearts to be an ecclesia instead of a kirkir. This is my prayer for us this morning. The band's going to come up, and we're going to worship some. But as we think about those this video, as we think about the words, as we think about what's going on, think about how do I join in in an ecclesia-type attitude instead of a kirkir, that I am part of the church and not going to church. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today, and thank you for this family. Thank you for this gathering of people. Lord, as we worship you this morning, we want to come in contact with you. Lord, wherever we're at, will you open our eyes so that we can be in motion for you, that we'll not run past in our own daily grind, in our own daily race, that we won't run past the people that we can truly help, that we'll be available and we'll be ready and looking for the opportunities in which to help people through the challenges of life, that we truly will be your body, your hands, and your feet. In Jesus' holy name I pray, amen.